Hey, well, welcome everybody. Good to have you guys here in person and all the folks that are watching online, welcome as well. Hey, uh, last week we wrapped up our sermon series on God's will. And uh, we spent two months looking at 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. And um, today we're going to begin a new series. And, and what we want to focus on is, is um, really how do we uh, eliminate or at least minimize the things that keep us from experiencing God's will for our lives. And so I don't want to stray too far from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. So we're going to be in a 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 19 through 22. So uh, I, I was just getting comfortable in there. I hope you were too. That's what the focus is going to be. So I want us to keep it in context. So I'm going to begin reading at verse 16 and then take us through 22. So uh, join with me if you choose. It uh, begins this way. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on. It says, do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Now, we've seen up to this point that um, God's will for us, his desire for us is to be joyful people, to be thankful people, to be prayerful people. That's his will. That's his desire for us. And the only way that that can be a reality in our lives is if we are found to be in Christ Jesus, that we need to be in a relationship with Jesus. And one of the beautiful things that happens when we are in that relationship is his spirit comes and dwells within us. His Holy Spirit lives within us. And, and um, we talked about this last week too. There's, there's power in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who will guide us and empower us to become the people that God desires. And so if we are to become those people, those joyful, prayerful, thankful people, we cannot do that apart from the Holy Spirit. That's part of his role. Now, um, we also saw last week that, that when he comes into our lives, he comes bearing gifts and he comes bearing fruit. And we have this fruit of the Spirit. So if you are in Christ Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have his Spirit, then you have this fruit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and, and self-control, all, all of these, these different fruit are residing within us. We all possess that kind of fruit. But it needs to be nurtured, right? Like if you want to abound in that type of fruit, it has to be nurtured. It has to be tended to. And so that's part of um, our calling. And, and sort of sum that up, that uh, if we want to really enjoy all that fruit, then we need to be rooted, grooted, and fruited. All right? And so if you missed that uh, last week, go back and watch that. But So we need to be rooted in prayer. We need to be grooted. This is that word we just created last week. But uh, that means growing in thankfulness. We need to be growing in thankfulness so that we can bear much fruit, that we could bear, specifically as we've been talking about in this context, much joy. We want joy to abound in our lives to the point where we are rejoicing always. All right? That's God's will for us. That is God's will for us. Now, again, it's only possible through the Holy Spirit. And um, there are ways that we can quench the Holy Spirit. 
We, we need his presence and we need his power in our lives if we are fully, if we are going to fully realize God's will for us. But we have a tendency to quench the Holy Spirit. So I want us to focus on, on that this morning. And I want to begin by really laying a solid foundation. Um, who is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit's role in our lives? So we're going to begin there because of um, the Trinity. He, he's probably the most neglected, the most misunderstood uh, of the Trinity. So um, there's one God. There's only one God, but he's in three persons. One God, but he exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All right. And um, while they may be three, they are one. One is not greater than the other. Uh, God, the Father, didn't create the Son. He didn't create the Spirit. The three have always existed in perfect unity with one another. Um, we even see this, if you, if you go to the Bible, you will see the existence of the three in one, starting right at the very beginning, in Genesis 1, even beginning in verse 1, and it's, it's the creation story, and we see the... the the um, three persons of the Godhead present. Specifically, we see the Holy Spirit here, and a lot of times we miss this. So if you look, it, it begins this way. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, see the presence of the Holy Spirit right there at creation was hovering over the waters. And so we, we see... Um, the Holy Spirit present there. And then if you go to the New Testament, what we call the New Testament, and you go to uh, John, he begins by talking about the Son, God the Son, who we know as Jesus. But as he's referring to Jesus, he uses a different term, a different word, which is the Word. And listen to this. Um, it, it says, in the beginning, so we're going all the way back to that creation story. In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus. And the word was with God. So he was there in the beginning. And the word was God. So Jesus is God. He was with God in the beginning. And this is the part that, that I love that I think a lot of people miss. Through him, so through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And so we see the Holy Spirit's presence at creation. We see Jesus the Son's presence in creation, even credited. He is credited as the creator. And I, I think that's fascinating and missed on a lot of us. And then if we go back to Genesis 1.26, we're going to see um, how this one God, singular God, is referred to in a plural sense. One God, three persons. Um, it says this, uh, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so we see the Trinity at work. But specifically this morning, we want to focus on the Holy Spirit. Because typically, as we read through Scripture, he, he kind of plays in this kind of back round kind of role, you know, he, he, he's the behind the scenes kind of guy. He, he doesn't get a lot of mention, a lot of notoriety. He's just doing his thing. And that is until um, this 
day of Pentecost, and then everything changes. And it's a, it's a weird time in the history of the world. So after 40 days of, of Jesus' resurrection, Jesus ascends back into heaven. And then 10 days, there's like this 10-day period of just kind of despair because you don't have the presence of Jesus and we don't have the presence of the Spirit. And then um, 10 days later, the Holy Spirit comes and he descends from heaven. And so it's this, this mixed um, kind of good and bad. You, you, you miss Jesus's presence, but it's this good because the Holy Spirit's coming. And Jesus actually spoke of this before he ever left, before he ever died. He was speaking about how this is actually going to be a good thing for him to leave. And I'm sure for his followers, that was really confusing at the time. But um, John recorded in, in chapter 16, verse 7, and this was Jesus saying this. He said, but very truly, I tell you, it's for your good. It's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. He's referring to the Holy Spirit to you. And so we see this play out. If you go to the book of Acts, in, in Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus ascending back into heaven where he originally came from. And then in Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit descending from heaven, and then he indwells, he indwells all of Jesus' followers. Now, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's not like the behind-the-scenes guy this time. He comes in a big way. And some of you guys are familiar with this story. I mean, it's an incredible way that he, he makes his arrival when he steps um, foot on this earth, so to speak, as he indwells the followers of Jesus. And what happens well, some strange power comes on them. You know, these average ordinary men and women, all of a sudden they are out in the streets and they are speaking in languages that they had never learned before. And, and it, it is such a crazy thing that's going on. Crowds of people start gathering. And you got to know that there were people, uh, specifically Jews and, and converts to Judaism from all over the world that were gathered there in Jerusalem at this time for this feast. And um, so all these people start coming and they hear the, the these average ordinary men and women speaking about the wonders of God in all of their native languages, and they are blown away. And that's because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And he is communicating to every tongue and through every tongue to all these people from around the world so that they can hear the mysteries of God, so that they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the power of the Holy Spirit when he indwelled his followers. And that day, the number of followers of Jesus went from 120 to over 5,000. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think most of us love hearing that story. But if we're honest, the thought of participating in that would scare us to death right? Like the thought of, of the Holy Spirit coming upon you in such a way that you just start speaking a different language would probably freak you out, would it not? And so like we'd love to hear the story, but the thought that he might actually use us in that story, I don't know. I think I'd rather read about it, right? Like it's, it's one thing to, to read about. It's another one to participate in it. And so I think that's why there's a lot of um, confusion about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of even fear of the Holy Spirit, what he may do. And um, I think there's a tendency for us to, to maybe like to keep him at arm's length because what, what, what might he do? 
I mean, imagine if you're a business person, right? We have different business people, and a lot of people in today's day and age are dealing with folks from around the world, aren't you? And so you may find yourself in a meeting with somebody from China or somebody from Japan or India or Africa, wherever, all over the world. It's, it's commonplace now that we come together. Now, what if the Holy Spirit moved in your life and you just start speaking in their native language? and you start proclaiming the mysteries and the wonders of God, that would freak you out, would it not? And it would freak them out too, wouldn't it? But wouldn't that be an amazing thing that God would use you and show up in such a powerful way? But if we're honest, it scares us a little bit. It scares us a little bit. And I think that's why sometimes we, we treat the Holy Spirit like that creepy uncle that some of us have, right? That you're, you don't want him to come for the holidays because he embarrasses you. He's always doing weird stuff. And, and, and yet the Holy Spirit is, is not the creepy old uncle. Like he, he's somebody that we can embrace and that we should want in our lives. We should want to experience his presence and his power more and more and more because he wants to do amazing wonderful things. He wants to empower us to experience the fullness of God's will in our lives. And we can't experience that apart from him, his presence and his power. So that's why when we get to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19, it says, do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. What does that mean? What does that look like? I want to try and illustrate that. Um, not really through the stool, but I'm going to use the stool. But more so through this lamp. I remember when, when I was reading through Genesis, it was talking about how we had been created in the image of God, that we are to be image bearers of God. We're to reflect his goodness and his glory, his light and his life. But like Adam and Eve, each of us have turned away from God. We've done our own thing. And yet we, we try to fill ourselves with light and life, but we are a dim reflection of God's image because we cannot do that in and of ourselves. See, um, Jesus even said this. He, he spoke to the importance of us becoming light, full of light, full of life. He said this, John recorded it again. John 8, 12 says, this was Jesus speaking. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Listen to this part, but will have the light of life. So through Jesus Christ, we can have that light of life living in us and showing forth through us. See, we are like this lantern. Now, the Holy Spirit, this is where he comes in, and he is like this flame. And he gives us that light. He provides that light and that life for us. And so he burns within every follower. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you have his spirit. 
You have his light and his life in you, and you are meant to shine. You are meant to experience and to illuminate to the world things like joy and love and peace and all the fruit of the Spirit. And here's the beauty. The more we allow the Holy Spirit to have free reign, the brighter we shine. Ooh, that scared me. (laughs) But we have a tendency to quench the Spirit, don't we? And the more we quench the Spirit, the less we shine, the less we experience the fullness of God's life and His light. And so sometimes maybe we uh, stoke the fire a little more, we allow Him more rain in our lives, and other times it's less. And sometimes, sadly, it gets to the point where it looks like the flame's gone out altogether. But I want to encourage you, that's not the case. If you've received the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ, His light will never be extinguished. It may be quenched, but it'll never be extinguished. Okay? We can have more and more of the Holy Spirit's influence, His power and His presence in our life. Or we can have less by quenching Him, but His light will never go out. See, we're meant to be that light in in life and I love how Jesus explained this. So, so Matthew wrote this down when Jesus was given his um, famous Sermon on the Mount. He said this in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. He said, you, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bushel. Some of you guys know that song. Um, Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are to be like this lantern. We are to be um, just showing forth the light and the life that God has given us through faith in Jesus Christ and through the presence and the power of his spirit. That's how we should be, shining brightly for all to see, to bring glory to God. But the reality is we've all been guilty of quenching the spirit, of quenching the spirit. So what are some ways that we quench the light of the Holy Spirit? Well, one is I think um, we can try and hide the fact that we are followers of Jesus. We hide the fact that we are followers of Jesus. Um, Being a Christ follower, a Christian in our day and age is not as popular as it once was. Um, Nowadays, if if you're a Christian, it's sort of seen as a bad thing. And and part of that's our own fault because of our um, just hypocrisy. If I'm honest, you know, we say one thing and we do another, and that gives us a bad name as Christ followers. Um, Some of, you know, the negativity is not our fault at all. We've been misjudged. We've been miscategorized. And a lot of us, because of that, just keep our faith in Jesus kind of hidden from others because we don't, we don't want to be misjudged, right? We, we don't want to be mischaracterized. No, nobody wants to be 
seen as a bigot or somebody that's narrow-minded. You don't want to be seen as, as a hater of people that are different or who believe or think differently than us. That's not who we are as Christ followers, yet that's how many people categorize us. And so I'm afraid that um, we have a tendency to hide the fact that we are followers of Jesus. And when we do that, I believe we quench the Spirit. We quench the Spirit because we're meant to shine bright, to shine bright with this life and this light of Jesus Christ. That's possible through His Spirit. So that's one way I think we quench the light of the Holy Spirit. Another way that I think we quench the light of the Holy Spirit is um, we can try and and deny the power of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, we will deny the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, There are folks that do not believe that the Holy Spirit still operates like he did, say, at the day of Pentecost, Um, that he still does miraculous things in us and through us, like, you know, maybe speaking in a foreign tongue so that somebody might hear the good news of Jesus Christ in in their native language, or uh, miracles of healing, They don't believe that those exist anymore. Or the ability to speak on behalf of God to others. Um, That's known as prophecy. And so folks that believe like that are are called cessationists. Cessationists. They believe that the gifts, those miraculous gifts of the Spirit, have ceased. They cease. So when the initial followers known as disciples or apostles of Jesus Christ, when they died, so did the gifts. All right. Now, a lot of us would probably say, well, I don't believe that. I still believe that the, the gifts are active, that the Holy Spirit is still moving in miraculous ways. But we may be practicing cessationists. We may not believe it, but we live like it because we deny the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we quench the Spirit. So we can try and hide our faith. We can try and deny the power of the Holy Spirit. Another way that we can quench the Spirit and His light in our lives is through disobedience. We can be disobedient. We, we may not want to go where the Holy Spirit says to go. We may not want to do what the Holy Spirit says we should do. We may choose to do our own thing. That's disobedience. It's disobedience, and that quenches the spirit. And here's the sad thing. It's because we we misunderstand who the spirit is. I mean, we should be celebrating and inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives, giving him full reign. He is our counselor. He is our guide. He is our teacher. He is our helper. He is our advocate. The Holy Spirit, he is the one that opens up our minds and our eyes to uh, see God for who he is. Like he's the one. When you open up the Bible and, and now all of a sudden those words start jumping off the page, they are speaking directly to your heart. He's the one that's responsible for that. He's the one that's responsible for giving you faith in Jesus Christ. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He's responsible. He's the one that brings these powerful, miraculous gifts into your life. He's the one that it helps the fruit of the Spirit abound in your life. He's the one. And so instead of trying to quench him, we need to embrace him, to encourage him, to give him free reign of our lives, to ask for more and more and more of him in our lives. But we're afraid. 
we're afraid. Because that means we have to give up some control. And we're not exactly sure what that's going to look like. And so we're afraid. And we don't need to be. We shouldn't be. Um, and yet I think we are. I, I have to admit, I've been afraid. And I have quenched this spirit in my life. I've done all these things. Um, there have been times when I, I've tried to hide the fact that I am a follower of Jesus for fear of what other people might say, what other people might think, how other people might treat me. I, I did this when I was in, in the business world. You know, I was afraid if, if it came out that I was, you know, this follower, I'd, I'd be a Jesus freak. You know, I'd be one of those guys. I didn't want to be labeled like that. I didn't want it to hurt my career, which I thought it might. Um, and so... There were times when I would kind of hide the fact that I was a follower of Jesus. Um, I've done it on the golf course. Uh, you know, sometimes you get paired with some other people that you don't know, and, and I don't usually just launch out and say, hey, I'm a Christian, and I happen to be a pastor. Because what happens is these dudes don't treat you the same, all right? And I've seen it. Like I, Usually that doesn't come up at the tee box on the first hole. You know, you're just getting to know each other, and, and just it's a little awkward. And these guys, after about two or three holes, you know, they're, they're just being themselves. And then they ask you, what do you do? And I tell them, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. Everything changes, all right? I'll just, and if you're gambling, it's actually a good thing because now they're out of their comfort zone. They're hitting the ball everywhere because they, they don't know how to act because, you know, so I, not that I would do any of that. But anyhow, so, but I've been guilty of that. Like I've, I've hidden the fact that I'm a, that I'm a follower of Jesus and um, I've quenched the spirit that way. There have been other times when I've denied his power I've denied his power. I've been afraid. You know, I, I don't want him to make me look like a fool in front of people. What if he made me bark like a dog or something like that? You know, like he's got the power to do something silly like that. Oh, I would hate that. You know, so I, I quench the power of the Holy Spirit. Or, or what? God forbid he made me move to Africa and live in some village there without all my comforts. Yeah, and so I, I, I've quenched the spirit. You know, I, I've got limits on the spirit. Like, I, I want more love and joy and all that stuff, but I want it kind of according to my framework and what I'm comfortable with, right? And I know time and time again, I've denied the power of the Holy Spirit. I've quenched the Holy Spirit in my life. And then there's disobedience. There's been far too much disobedience in my life. The Holy Spirit, I, I can't blame. You know, some people say, you know, the devil made me do it. I can't blame the devil for anything. I got to be honest. Like, the Holy Spirit tells me, don't do that. And I'm like, shh. <laughs> like, I kind of just want to dabble in some sin for a little bit, you know, because I think that's going to be fun. And so, shh, I'm going to go do this or I'm going to follow that. And, and I know it's wrong because the Holy Spirit's, telling me it's wrong. And he's like, no, I have something better for you, something bigger for you. Why do you want to quench me? Why do you think that's going to bring you life and light? Now I want to give you more life and more light. And I'm like, shh, like, I, I want to go do this. I've been guilty of quenching the spirit in every form and fashion. 
And I wonder, why is it that I don't believe God is good? Why is it that I don't believe God wants the very best for me? Why is it that you don't believe God is good? Why is it that you don't believe God wants the very best for you? Why do you, like me, quench the Holy Spirit and his power and his presence in your life? Because I'm guessing you're not that different than me. And yet God wants this abundant life for us. We, we've spent months looking at it. He wants us to be joyful people, to be thankful people, to be prayerful people. And we can go on and on and on. And he's given us his spirit to make that a reality. And what is our response too often? We quench him. We quench him. Sometimes to the point that you wouldn't even know he's there. But he is. He is. And all we have to do is allow him to have free rule and reign in our lives. We need to stop quenching the spirit. Let's pray. Dear God, thanks so much um, for your word. I love it. Um, thanks for, for your ways. And, and while I don't always understand them, they are so good. They are the best ways. Um, thank you for um, your willingness to place your spirit within me, within all of us who are followers of yours. Thank you for the power that comes with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that we would not just um, be somewhat open to the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, but that we would be inviting you in. Holy Spirit, we just speak to you now. Um, um, have your way in our lives. Force out the things that are not of you. Those, those, those areas of darkness in our lives, just force those out. Fill every aspect, every inch, every, every capillary of our bodies with your life and your light. May we shine brightly and enjoy your goodness all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.